film is rated R. From the queens who brought you the Tony Collette Show and 420 Bogathon comes an action-packed review of terror. Nicholas and Raymond join forces to talk about Planet Terror. You know, it's Halloween. I guess everyone's entitled to one good scare. We all go a little mad sometimes. No, please don't kill me, Mr. Ghostface. I want to be see. <laughs> Welcome to the Carbon Queens podcast, your weekly pop culture horror queer show where we talk the best and worst the horror genre has to offer. We come to you live from the TCQ video store, your favorite VHS rental spot where you can pick up the best and worst in horror for only 69 cents a day. Welcome to my village in... Wow, I f***ed that up already. (laughs) Welcome to my villain origin story. My name is Raymond. (laughs) There could be a hundred people in a room and 99 of them aren't stoned, but I am. I'm Nicholas Reese. (laughs) Happy New Year, queerdos. Welcome to 2022. Welcome back to the store. We are inching closer and closer to our one year anniversary. Stunned, gagged, and beyond elated to celebrate in a few weeks. How are you feeling about the new year? Any new goals? Mm, stay alive ah, too real <laughs> i think my our goal my goal one of my goals is to just like grow the show more i i you know i feel like we say this constantly it's like a running theme with this but we really didn't expect the show to get as big as it has and uh i'm really happy to see the audience that we've that we've gained and all the interaction that we've had and you know, being featured on other pods and having guests on ours has really made this experience even that much more fun. So um, I guess one of my goals for the new year is just to grow the show and see where this fun ride takes us. I fully agree. Not to reveal anything and not to like spoil anything. We have some things in, in, in the canon. We have some things talking. We are talking to people. Things are happening. So I'm really excited to see where the show goes. And that's pretty much where all of my goals are, are essentially this crazy video store that we've decided to open up together. It's been so rewarding. She's beautiful. She's stunning. She is the moment. <laughs> but before we can do anything else, we must talk about a very important date today. Today, we celebrate a person Some would say the most important person. Mm, It is mm -hmm. Raymond's birthday, everybody. Someone we all know and love, me. (laughs) We get to talk about your birthday pick for this week's recommended rental. Happy birthday, whore. Thanks. Capricorn season is in full effect. Actually, by the time this airs, we're kind of ending Capricorn season, I think. Or in the, yeah, we're towards the end of it already. You're welcome, everybody. You're welcome. (sighs) Capricorns, man. They dominate my life. You are a Capricorn. Richard's a Capricorn. Several of my best friends are Capricorns. What can I say? We are those bitches. How old are we turning this year? I guess I might as well say it. It's on my Instagram anyways. Uh, 34, I'm not ashamed of my age. She's looking great, oh my God, look at the hair. She's looking great today. She came dressed up today. 
yeah, she's got some jewelry on today. Her hair is coiffed and the skin is looking hydrated. I am so stoked for my month long celebration and especially my my birthday pick because I- you, you picked a good one, bitch. Thanks. I, I juggled with a few and I decided to go with something that was going to be really fun to cover rather than something that was going to be really bleak to cover. And I don't want to mention it just yet because I, I feel like we might be able to squeeze it in the pod somewhere. We've definitely squeezed other things, honey. Ow. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I'm really happy with this with this week's pick. I'm so excited. I am too. But before we get to the birthday cake, we would love for you all to leave a comment and rate the podcast. If you love what you hear, hit that subscribe or follow button wherever you are streaming. Please rate us. You can now rate on Spotify. Give us five stars, please. It's Raymond's birthday. Give them a lovely little present of those five stars. Please rate us five stars because we are what? Five star bitches. Ask Lil Wayne. Listeners, welcome to the TCQ drive-in and settle in for the ultimate birthday bash. Our guest of honor has chosen the first part of a double feature extravaganza. Turn on the projector, <laughs> load up and grab your shotgun. It's time for Robert Rodriguez's Planet Terror. <coughs> yeah. <laughs> you gotta leave with the cops. <laughs> that was really good though. That was really, Thank really you. good. And now, our feature presentation. All right, y'all. The joke is over. The dead horse has been beaten. <laughs> Just send us an email, Fubo. <laughs> Our assistants are standing by because this action-packed zombie movie is available on what? Fubo, Fubo. for streaming. I really, honestly, y'all, this was not intentional by any means. I did not. I'm sorry to this man. They we're never gonna get a sponsor because we talked some no. mad shit. Sorry. <laughs> but while we get ready for this movie extravaganza, let's head to the back and find out. 420, which is smoking. <laughs> while we smoke up some of this deadly DC2 gas, how did you hear about this double feature, even though we're only covering one of the films? First up. Excellent pick. I'm so happy that you chose this movie because this movie is huge for both of us. And I, un, I it, like, I'm unlocked like trauma response memory. So <laughs> I distinctly remember this movie came out. I was in the eighth grade. It was my best friend's birthday. And I somehow convinced her to not watch Blades of Glory because I looked up what was playing that weekend because I wanted to know what she Thank was God. trying to argue with me about. I was like, no, trust me. I want to watch Grindhouse. I mean, no, it was her birthday. Sorry. <laughs> her birthday. <laughs> this came out at the perfect time for me. This was when I, we, hello, public libraries. This is when I was frequently in the mm -hmm. public library. My interest in movies were getting so big. Hugely obsessed with our two directors today on this mm -hmm. ginormous movie event of Grindhouse. I remember being blown away the whole time that we were in that theater. This was like, what, three and a half hours of being in a theater? At least, bitch, at least three and a half hours because they had the fake trailers. They had like mm -hmm. fake ad. It was, there was a lot in between. I remember my friends not being happy that it was three and a half hours, but by the end of it, all of us were just blown away by what was presented. I had mm -hmm. never experienced something. Honestly, I haven't experienced something quite like that 
sense because for me it truly felt like a movie event it was an event to go to i a hundred percent agree which is why i chose this movie for my birthday pick because i was fortunate enough to go and see this in movie theaters as well um i got to experience the full like i want to say it was probably like a four-hour event jackie mm-hmm. i want to say it was at least four hours because death proof is at least two hours but I sat there for all four hours flabbergasted with the explosion of cinematic just fuckery going on. Because it's, <laughs> it's great, though. Don't get me wrong. It's great. Like, uh, oh, my God. Planet Terror is just true, in my opinion, true to Grindhouse, 100%. And then mm-hmm. we get Death Proof, which is like Tarantino's take mm-hmm. on Grindhouse. It's just great. And then we had all the fake trailers in between. It's it was great. I just remember the only thing I got it for really quickly was like a bathroom break. I think that was the only thing I couldn't stand. Otherwise, I sat in my seat for that entire four hours. It breezed by for me. I just remember being so absorbed into these movies. That's why you picked this movie? Just the experience that you had watching this movie? Yeah, it was for me, it was a really big experience. I'm a big Tarantino fan and I'm a even bigger Robert Rodriguez Rodriguez. Yes. And to be quite honest, he's like one of my movie heroes. I've seen almost everything in his filmography. I am just completely impressed with his production house and how involved he is with every single aspect of filming. He does cinematography. He does editing. He does the scoring. He does the music for this movie. He does does everything. He's a one-man army. If anyone has ever read his book, Rebel Without a Crew, I highly suggest it. I remember devouring the fuck out of that book. It's his journal entries of how he created El Mariachi, the movie that he made with, I think, Mm $10,000. It's fascinating. He is a true horror geek. And so is Quentin, which is why I think this movie is just, it's beautiful to me. I really love this movie, which I think is fascinating because this movie deals with a lot of subjects that are hard for us to kind of, not hard for us, but it, this movie deals with subject matter that could be difficult for people, especially now. But this movie knows what it's doing. And I think that's why we like it so much. Yes, it's very important that Quentin and Robert knew what they were doing. They knew what they were referencing and they knew the style. And essentially it was, it really was an experience that they presented because it, these movies are meant to be seen together back to back with these fake trailers and and, and adds everything in between. And so they knew what they were going for. I just like, I can't praise it enough. I just, I, I love either. this movie. Like I, I love Death Proof just, I love Death Proof as well, but I chose this one because I feel like this is more popular and easier digestible mm-hmm. because it's so action packed. Out of the two, I want to ask, which one do you put, if you had to pick? Planetary. Which, thank you. I would too. I would <laughs> enjoy Death Proof, especially Death Proof soundtrack. Holy fuck. Yes. I used to play that soundtrack like a ridiculous amount. Yes, yes. Honestly, this is what started the film fascination for me because this made me do what we do on this podcast research a ridiculous amount on movies talk mm-hmm. about it with you consistently this is i hold this movie very very highly regarded for me so sorry anyone who doesn't like it <laughs> same seas for me and i and i understand that this is totally like a satire on crying house films and this was a way for them to present to the mainstream even though it wasn't widely received or well received but 
I know that the, like this is a riff on Grindhouse movies and this isn't technically I guess you wouldn't really call like consider like Grindhouse movie aficionados wouldn't really consider this a Grindhouse movie because it's produced by you know the Weinsteins Ugh. I know but we'll get you that. so let's check out the VHS's special features and find out how this movie was made Planet Terror Released April 6, 2007, with a runtime of one hour and 45 minutes, we have a rating of R, matey. Oh, what does it say? Come on, pirates. <laughs> Are you ready, kids? <laughs> Taglines. Fully loaded. You might feel a little prick. Humanity's last hope rests on a high-power machine gun. The prick and humanity, the way that you said it, were perfect, Jackie. Those were perfect. <laughs> Sorry. They're they're very dope. Especially these posters. I remember yes. these posters. The like posters. Oh, they are so ingrained, especially. Yes. Listen, everybody. I love Rose McGowan in this movie. Mm-hmm. The ultimate player in this movie for me is Dakota. Marley Shelton crushes it for me and her poster is so ingrained on me just her sitting there sweaty her makeup smeared and holding her needle is perfect it's perfect i love it i love it the the poster was so simple like you know me i'm a sucker for simple you are graphic and to the point and these posters were it and they're totally in my opinion reminiscent of uh grindhouse posters because they're not like Flashy and big budgety. Unless simple. you look at the grindhouse picture itself, where the combined mo- both posters look exactly like a grindhouse poster. So yeah, it works. Uh-huh. I love it. Okay, y'all. It's time to welcome to the show a director we have been dying to talk about, Robert Rodriguez, my cousin. In- <laughs> no, <I'm just> <laughs> Not really. <laughs> Infamous director of El Mariachi, from Dust Till Dawn, The Faculty, Spy Kids. Sin City, and he did rain on me? Drop the mic, drop the mic. Most importantly, Lady Gaga and Ariana Grande's <laughs> Rain on Me music video. I didn't know he directed that. Because she, Gaga knows him because she was in Mariachi. Mariachi Kills. No, ma- Machete, sorry. She was in Machete Kills, sorry. <laughs> you, you found it, you got to it. <laughs> Wow, I'm gagged. First of all, hello. That filmography, the film. It's not even everything. It isn't everything. And he really dipped his toes into kids' movies for a good minute. And and I love them. These are great. These are great. I love El Mariachi. Anyone, please watch it. Please watch how he constructed this. I will say it is the 90s. He had $10,000, so take that in mind. But the fact that he did all this was fantastic. You love From Dust Till Dawn. Not only that, I love From... God, he's got bangers. I just love Robert Rodriguez. Uh-huh. But my tops for me are Faculty, uh-huh. Dust Till Dawn, uh-huh. and Desperado, which Ooh. is the Desperado. sequel in the trilogy of El Mariachi. Mariachi. El Mariachi, Desperado, and then Once Upon a Time in Mexico. Highly recommend the trilogy. Very solid films. Robert directed, wrote, produced, cinematography, and did the music on this and his troublemaker special effects studios handled all the special effects on this mm-hmm. he's literally a one-man army i love what he does like the fact that it's all in-house always blows my mind i took the words right out of my mouth i appreciate more than anything a director 
who knows all aspects of film. I don't expect them to be experts because that's why you have a team, but he kind of is an expert in every aspect of filmmaking because he does it all. Wow. Academy Award. <laughs> Our cast starring Rose McGowan as Cherry Darling. Screen queen icon, everybody. We finally mm -hmm. get to talk about McGowan. Hello, Scream. Do you want to play Psycho Killer? Please are coming, Mr. Ghostface. I want to be in the sequel. We also have Freddy Rodriguez as El Rey, Josh Brolin as Dr. William Block, TCQ alumni Marley Shelton as Dr. Dakota Block. You can listen to us talk about her in our Scream 4 episode, which honestly kind of put us on the map. Like that is the episode that we finally started getting like listenership. So please go listen to it because her lemon squares taste like ass. You played Tiger Lily and I was a lost boy. And we have Jeff, is it Fahey? Fahey, Fahey. Fahey, Fahey, Fahey. But that's a hey, whatever. Jeff Fahey as JT Haig, Michael Bean, Bine? Bine. <laughs> We've been doing this for a year. We've been doing Every this time. for a year. Sure. Michael Bine as Sheriff Hogg, Rebel Rodriguez as Tony Block, Robert Rodriguez's son, more famously, the creator of the adventures of Sharkboy and Lava Girl, obviously. <laughs> Shark boy and lava girl. We also have Bruce Willis as Lieutenant Muldoon, Naveen Andrews as Dr. John Abby Abington, Julio Oscar Machoso as Romy Fergie, as Tammy Vassan, or credited as Stacey Ferguson, uh, the Ow. Fergie. Whoa! Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> Let's see what is nah, this nah, 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 nah. <laughs> She had way too much energy for 6 a.m. <laughs> so good. We have Nikki Cat as Joe, Hung Nguyen as Dr. Crane, Tom Savini as Deputy, Deputy Tolo, the legend, the icon. Tom Savini. Oh my God. Aesthetic makeup artist, actor, stunt performer, and film director. I'm so happy we finally get to talk about him. I love his character in this too. He's so good. We also have Carlos Gallardo as Deputy Carlos. Skip Resig as Skip. Electra and Elise Rodriguez as crazy babysitter twins or the niece-in-laws of Robert Rodriguez. We also have Quentin Tarantino as Lewis. Named rapist number one. We'll talk about this scene, obviously. Mm. And we also have Greg Kelly as rapist number two. Michael Parks as Earl McRae. Or, hello, everybody, Texas Ranger Earl McRae, as seen in From Dust Till Dawn, Kill Bill. And this is the last appearance we get of this character in either of those film canons. Is he the same character in every single movie? Really? I didn't know yes, that. He is. Isn't that interesting? That's awesome. I only found out through my research. I love that. We also have, oh, Jesus, cast is long. Jerry Lee Romero as Ramona McGraw and Felix Sabates as Dr. Felix. Whew, stacked cast, everybody. There's a lot of people in this. If you've seen a Robert Rodriguez movie, you've probably seen all of these actors. Pretty much. Uh, I love that directors love to work with the same actors uh, over and over again. And especially because it's so fun to see them in different roles. I... I love a lot of these. I love almost, mm -hmm. I love the entire cast, actually. There's not a single They're person. They're so good at the roles. Yeah, yeah there's not a single person in, in there for me that doesn't deliver. Moving on to review. IMDb gave it a 7 out of 10. Metacritic for Grindhouse as a whole was graded a 77 out of 100. That's a passing grade, y'all. That's a passing grade. Rotten Tomatoes, they got a 76 tomato meter and a 77% audience score. Also pretty solid scores. These are very solid scores. This is passing. This is great. I know that this was a critic's darling. A lot of critics like this movie. 
before I continue, let's talk about the production because it's all gonna it's all gonna circle back. We have a budget of twenty three million and a box office. Okay, it opened with an abysmal eleven point five million. Why? There are possible reasons why, but none that really explain the weak release. Because of this release, Grindhouse was separated and released internationally. But in total, Grindhouse only made sixty seven million. It was known as kind of a box office bomb. There are a lot mm-hmm. of theories as to why. Either people weren't ready for it. A lot, apparently, a lot of audience members left once Planet Terror was over because they thought that was the end of the movie. They didn't know it was a double feature. There's also ideas, once again, horrible people of the Weinsteins came in and there's a possibility, which is a big possibility, apparently, that Harvey Weinstein gave no ad space for this movie. This was not marketed well, which killed this movie. Could be a multitude of different things. I don't know what it is because for me, it's on the screen. I don't know why this movie isn't making the numbers that it should, but both directors have expressed that they still love these movies and would still love to do a sequel, even though I know it's not going to happen. Not after this tanked, Um, which is surprising to me because I remember... When I went to go see it, it was a pretty packed theater. And this was back mm-hmm. in 2007, y'all, when you had to fucking wait in line to get a good seat. Same. And also, this was, I remember going opening weekend, and it was packed. My theater was packed, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know if I went opening weekend or not, but I remember I went to a packed theater. But that sucks. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't know. I I could, It's it's been so long, I couldn't tell you about the marketing. So I don't remember if I saw a whole lot of billboards or anything for it. But I mean, obviously, I'm a huge film geek. So I knew about it. But um, that sucks. And I would love a f-ing sequel to this. I would too. Even though I know we're not going to get it. The first idea for Planet Terror began during the production of Rodriguez's other film, The Faculty. He would recall informing the young cast about a premonition that zombie films would come back in a big way. Rodriguez apparently wrote about 30 pages of said script, but unfortunately didn't really go anywhere with it because he couldn't figure out how to progress the story. He would put it down after he would proceed with other films. He's quoted stating, Sure enough, the zombie movie invasion happened and they all came back again. And I was like, ah, I knew I should have made my zombie movie. (laughs) The story and script were picked back up when an idea for Grindhouse was developed by Rodriguez and Quentin Tarantino, all because they share the same Grindhouse poster. The idea sparked and this is how we came here. Really? Yeah. I mean, they've been longtime friends and collaborators as it is. So a collaboration was inevitable, I feel like this this melding that their common love of grindhouse movies was the perfect like melding of minds for them to bring two movies together because i think if they worked together on the same film it wouldn't have worked because tarantino's very uh dialogue heavy or rodriguez i don't know i feel like rodriguez has a really good balance of everything in a movie mm-hmm. um and i feel like it just wouldn't have worked um, but two separate movies coming together for a double feature that I can get on board with. With the same feel and vibe and genres. Apparently they had hands in both films. Quentin would come over. Mary, Marley Shelton has also been quoted stating that it kind of felt like it was co-directed with Quentin, Bar- Quentin being there a lot. There's also an infamous like shot behind the scenes of Quentin being a zombie that chases Fergie. It's very uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. It is. I thought the same thing. I it's was watching it and I was like, Quinn is such a f-ing creep, dude. Like, it's not the vibe. Stop! 
Before we continue talking about Robert's film, we must discuss the event filmmaking move of Grindhouse itself. Grindhouse is presented as a double feature combining Rodriguez's Planet Terror and Quentin Tarantino's Death Proof. It pays homage to exploitation films of the 1970s with films' names originating from American term for theaters that played exploitation genres. The Grindhouse theaters would show genres like kung fu, horror, sexploitation, redneck car chase films, blaxploitation, and spaghetti westerns. In the original theatrical presentation, Grindhouse featured vintage theater snippets, ads for a non-existent Acuna Boys restaurant, and most famously, fictitious exploitation trailers that were directed by Rodriguez, Rob Zombie, Edgar Wright, Eli Roth, and Jason Eisner. Agatandra. I think that's why the reason why I was so blown away is that this immediately envelops you. It, it the Avengers like Marvel Cinematic Universe wishes. This feels like it's its own world. Like you literally feel like you were planted in a 1970s theater. I'm waiting for the floors to be sticky, for it to smell like sex in here, and someone to start smoking a cigarette. Like <laughs> I love all of this. The presentation, honey, the presentation. I agree. I agree. I bet like if they could have rented out a theater and made it look all grungy and gross, they probably would have done it. Um, but that honestly, that's all it was missing to be a full immersive experience because what they present on the screen, all these fake trailers and ads and everything is amazing. It totally engulfs you into this world that they I feel like unknowing, not unknowingly, because they did it with a purpose. They knowingly created this world to like engulf you in. If you've never experienced a Grindhouse movie, like this is what this it's is like. what it felt feels like. I also uh, love that both movies references have yes! crossovers of characters, yes! ideas, places, and things. It really just like it was the first time for me that movies kind of felt like they were aware of each other and directly directly referenced each other. Mm-hmm, now mm-hmm. it's you have to, have, if you don't have a reference to something nowadays, you, you're not a <laughs> movie. So like, this yeah, is- Yeah, everything's this so is, meta these days. Honestly, this is wonderful. This is also amazing directors. Uh, Rob Zombie, Edgar Wright, Eli Roth. Like mm-hmm, what the mm-hmm, Because mm-hmm, some mm-hmm. of these trailers would go on to be produced into a full-fleshed films. The trailers would include Machete, Werewolf Women of the SS, which was directed by Rob Zombie. Don't! Which was directed by <laughs> Edgar Wright. Thanksgiving, directed by Eli Roth. And in Canadian theaters, they were shown Hobo with a Shotgun, directed by Jason Eisner. Machete and Hobo with a Shotgun were later turned into actual films. Machete even mm-hmm. got a sequel. She <laughs> kills with Lady Gaga. I still haven't seen it. Um, but so I saw Machete and it's amazing i i love these trailers these trailers were so good especially don't and don't. thanksgiving I'm, I'm still waiting for thanksgiving to become a movie i don't think you can do it nowadays because what so i watched yeah, i know you can but it's i watched good. both of these movies before we did it because i wanted to i wanted i wanted to feel those feelings again i wanted to experience it back to back again so i loved watching all the trailers loved watching the intermission parts I, i'm a I'm always excited for the yes. so great. I always love listening to all the all of the sound cues. Some of these trailers, Jackie, some of these trailers are so fucking offensive. The way oh, yeah. women of the SS. Oh like my god, I know. at one point there's Nicolas Cage in Yellowface. I know. And it is 
awful. Thanksgiving mm-hmm. also does like horrible depictions of Native Americans and, and, and it's horrible because they feel so, this is exactly what American culture is like. And it's kind of like not glazed over. That's how yeah. I feel about all of these movies. I'm like, these movies really were made like this. This is 2007. Yeah. This is 2007. How far along are we now? 14 years? Yeah. We're now 14 years. Well, by the time coming. this airs, 15. Oh, shit. We're now going to be 15 years. This is 15 year anniversary. And mm-hmm. I'm looking at it. I'm like, I don't like that this looks like this can come out in the 70s. Only because I'm like, half of the shit you do in here are so offensive. But this was still fine in 2007. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was. Hello. <laughs> we said it multiple times on the pod with multiple movies we covered where these... I don't even know when the turning point for us or like filmmakers, quote unquote, being PC or woke or whatever you want to call it. Or but, being held for their actions. Yeah, but like uh, it's it's only been up until recently where movies have just been horribly offensive, made jokes and just gotten by with quite honestly, just some racist and sexist shit. Um, so this movie is ripe with it, especially for a grindhouse movie and like exploitation that's, films. That's that's the it's, genre. I understand. yeah, it's it's gonna be wrought with racism and sexism and exploitation. So just a heads up, y'all. <laughs> oh yeah, uh, spoiler alert! Or, uh, I mean, uh, what's it called? Uh, trigger warning! Trigger warning! Thank you. Amber alert! Oh my God! <laughs> Moving on. When it came to casting and developing his characters, Robert has stated that Rose McGowan's personality would be embedded into the character, Cherry Darling. Her character being told she would be a stand-up comedian is from McGowan's real life, especially Cherry's constant talk of useless talents. Useless talents number three, useless talent number 67. I I was definitely that nerd and kid of like, my personality is based off of the movie I just watched. So this useless talent shit- I hate you, which is <laughs> constantly uttered in middle school going into high school until I dropped it because high school makes you question everything about yourself. Mm-hmm. Including your sexuality. Yay. Marley Shelton, who worked with Robert on Sin City, and she was also in the running for role in the faculty, was casted for the role doing the for the role being written for her. I said that funny, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Not to mention Marley's highly flexible wrist, which added to her character's inability to use her hands. She kept going like this anytime I watched like behind the scenes. She's like, look, look at my wrist. I love when she just like shows, I when they ask, who has a car? <laughs> Fergie Ferg's casting was spontaneous in terms of the character being named Tommy originally and then being changed over to Tammy, creating a lesbian lover character. We love to see it. We love to see it. Lastly, for casting, Bruce Willis was hired as a way to pay homage to Grindhouse films that would hire famous actors but only use them for a few shots as a way to promote the film. And everything else would be a, a double from behind or anything else. I love that. I love this. <laughs> I Really quickly, because we're, we're going to get into it anyways. I just love their use of editing and um, quote missing reels to like bridge gaps in the writing and everything like well i don't know how to get everybody together so we'll just say that this shit was missing and then we're there i love it so okay for production the biggest question when it comes to the special effects in the film is how the 
block that they give Cherry Darling her machine gun leg. And it's fairly simple. They would attach essentially a green leg cast over Rose McGowan's leg to restrict her leg movement to give her the correct motion. They would later go in and replace her leg with a visual effect. And even still, I would say for 2007, and I think it's because there's so many filters over everything, it looks fine. It looks good. Love it. The iconic silhouette of Rose McGowan with this machine gun leg. Hello. It's so fucking sick. My favorite is the silhouette when it's an all black shadow because it Mm -hmm. gives me like trucker vibes. You know, the ones where I'm talking about where it's like the hot chick sideways and her legs Uh up. Except Uh now she's got a machine. It's so rad. I'm going to get those for my tiny little car, mud flaps. (laughs) With the machine gun leg. I love it. I dig it. I dig it so much. And for the aging of the film, giving the film its 70s aesthetic, real film damage, plugins, and stock footage were composed over to give the film its look. I also heard at one point, it's mainly from Edgar Wright, I believe. They would take actual film stock that they used to film these movies and then drag it through Mm -hmm. the parking lot to give it scratches to make it look like this was just a movie that was passed from theater to theater. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's those details. It's those details. I saw that too. They like, they don't, not only did that, they were dragging it across shit. They were smoking in the editing room and blowing it on actual film stock to give it that grainy footage. I love it. It's such, it's, it's the love because they would implement it in certain scenes to add depth to the film. Like anytime a zombie attacks, the film would start deteriorating Mm -hmm. to give more of the effects. Infamously during the elevator scene with Quentin Tarantino, the film shows like a red screen damage going over and it adds intensity to the scene. And I think it's those little details that you're still paying homage, but using it your way that it's just genius. Mm-hmm. I agree. I agree. I agree. The use of color and editing, it's just like top tier for me. He, Robert also uses, uh, Robert is excellent at editing. Some of my favorite stuff about Robert Rodriguez's films is the editing, especially in this one. There's a lot of cuts. There's a lot of quick cuts that make some of the violence seem a lot more horrific or a lot of the chase scenes seem a lot more intense. Mm-hmm. A lot of this, a lot of scenes, characters like chop and make chopping motions Rewatch it, people. Every time you see a chop, the film like cuts like there was a screen cut out of the film reel. It's great. Yeah. It's so good. A big shocker in the film is, spoiler alert, the death of Tony. The death of Dakota's son was always in the script, but Rodriguez was afraid of shooting something so dark. Wanting to keep a true sense of horror in the film, but not wanting to also upset his son, Rodriguez would film two versions of the movie. One where Tony dies and another where Tony survives and makes it to Mexico. He would also show his son Rebel the altered version of the film to keep the version as Tony's version. It's so cute. I don't think I've ever seen it, but there are scenes of, like, if we're in the bar scene, Tony's behind the bar. They hide him, or he's hiding underneath the seat while they're on a car chase. I love that they shot two versions. The, the, the gall, the gumption to kill this kid in such a horrific way we're gonna talk about it and uh, it's intense it's it's the most intense part of the whole movie and this movie's already intense it's there i actually enjoyed it so (laughs) shocker (laughs) i thought it was hilarious i thought it was like a riff on gun violence i understand it was a reference to something very real but it was also kind of hilarious 
Hold you can on, cut everybody. that if you want to. No, I'm keeping it in. Let me <laughs> gather my thoughts and my feelings as we head to commercial. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's, Let's all, all go, to, go the to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a snack. snack. We'll be right back after these messages. Cinematic experience begins with a then fake trailer for a movie called Machete, a movie about a day laborer gone federal. We get explosions, kills, story plot, gun shooting, and of course, boobs. It is now time to start our feature presentation. Cherry Darling is go-go dancing to an amazing soundtrack. Our core cast names are blared on the screen as Cherry dances away, and then we get our title card. As our opening dance sequence comes to an end, so does Cherry's dance, and she ends her number in tears, which is apparently a regular thing for her because her boss comes backstage to yell at her. He explains that it's go, go, not cry, cry. But for Cherry, dancing is just useless talent number 12. She quits and heads off on foot. On her way home, she's run off the road by some military trucks headed for the base two miles away. Do you want to start? You're the guest of honor. This, yeah. This is a great opening. First of all, we get the fake trailer for my Turned real movie a couple years later. Another amazing movie y'all should watch. Local Valley Hero. Yes, Local Valley Hero. Um, and then we get our feature presentation with the, it starts with this amazing, the saxophone is heavy in the soundtrack and it gives it this sexy but gritty quality that is just a constant theme throughout the entire film it's sex and it's violence and it's gore which is something i want on my birthday amen wrap it up (laughs) what are your feelings about this opening oh my god I want to talk about Machete really quick. Besides the fact that this is ultimate, this is amazing. My The best line is, they just f***ed with the wrong Mexican. It's so good. Yes, we love to hear it. Everybody, both of these movies are one-liner after one-liner. If you listen to our Batman and Robin episode, you know we're a f***ing sucker for one-liners. Sucker for one-liners, I f***ing live. I love me a good one-liner. This is amazing. You have Cheech as a priest and he cocks two shotguns at the same time (laughs) signed me up for that movie and that movie was great because please father have mercy god has mercy i don't (laughs) it's so great it's so great not to mention lindsay lohan's in the movie go watch it i forget she's in it every time an actual movie Uh i didn't but this opening is it's so rock and roll like this Mm -hmm. opening is so rock and roll it's aesthetically pleasing. Rose McGowan is stunning. Watch it alone for the shot of the camera moving through Rose McGowan doing a backbend. It's oh, sick. It is so sick. It is, I've, hold on, I gotta gather. I gotta gather all of it. I just have to mention in the credits, it's so funny to see that like, producing Robert Rodriguez, directing Robert Rodriguez, cinematography <laughs> for special effects Robert Rodriguez, music Robert Rodriguez. He really did it all. Mm-hmm. One man army. I love it. Rose McGowan is fantastic. I just have to know, how is she capable of producing so many tears? 
She cries so hard in this movie. She, she cries, cries a lot. So, she's, a cry she's pretty when I cry. She's crybaby part two. I, <laughs> I really, <laughs> d- I dig her. I love her as my heroine because she becomes a kick-ass action hero by the end of this movie. I love her. She's probably my favorite. I think she's my favorite character. I know you like teeter with Doc, with Dakota mm-hmm. and her, um, but I think she's my favorite. She's got the one-liner. She's got a machine gun leg. Uh-huh. I'm all about Not it. Um, she's she's still she's still doing her thing. But this opening dance sequence is so sexy, mm-hmm. and I love when I was watching it this time. I was looking at the mirrors in the background. Bitch, they didn't even try to like edit out the cameraman going by because oh, you can see that. yeah they're on a dolly and you could just see the cameraman constantly like you can see the whole crew on the rig going by someone's and eating mirrors. a croissant by crafty <laughs> <laughs> um but it's a greenhouse movie of course they're not going to catch that or be able to edit it out we cut to the military base we are introduced to abby he gets out of one of the hummers and approaches romy an employee of who has lost three of their specimens because of this abby can no longer trust romy and rather than just firing him or even killing him he'd rather cut off his balls and pickle them and then kill him. Another person gets out of the vehicle, Lieutenant Muldoon. He asks, where's the shit? Abby attempts to rectify the situation, but Muldoon says that he wants it all. Abby immediately shoots out two henchmen, which starts an all-out shooting war. They ultimately get Abby on his back and Muldoon leans in with blisters on his face, boiling and bubbling and asks, where's the shit? To which Abby replies, everywhere, and then shoots out the tanks containing said shit. <laughs> Sorry, but I just got that line. And then, <laughs> and then shoots out the tank containing said shit. The gas expelling from the tanks immediately causing the men's skin to melt off. Lieutenant and the rest of the men walk over and start engulfing themselves in the gas as Abby makes a getaway with a stowaway creature atop his car. Da, da, da. This is great. This is where it really feels like a B movie with this yeah. writing of where's the shit and like this, ooh, this scary DC2 gas. Ooh, dad's in there. Ooh. It's going to turn your you know skin into whatever the f*** happened. And it's not even all that. By the way, the special effects in this part are super gross. I love seeing like these melting fleshy bodies. Mm. But what is with straight dudes and being obsessed with their junk and balls? You guys are so f***ing gay. Even gay They're guys so aren't obsessed gay. with balls. Uh, hold on. But it's... <laughs> <laughs> not all gay men, okay? <laughs> this is, It's such an odd character quirk. It's memorable. It's totally memorable. I'll give it's, you that. I, I love it. It's very dark humor, tongue in cheek. And uh, may, may, I don't know. I'm, I'm not very, like, I don't know much about Grindhouse movies. I will be quite honest. This is the only quote Grindhouse movie that I've seen. You've never seen Pussycat Kill Kill? Faster Pussycat no, Kill No, no. But um, I'm assuming that maybe they had these quirky little dark humor, tongue in cheek moments in these movies. And I love it because what kind of sick weirdo loves to cut off the balls of his enemies and keep them in a jar it's especially made scissors and they do that thing before they cut his balls <laughs> give him the clamps also love bruce willis at this age i'd bang the f- oh, I, i'd bang so the, f- bang the f- out of him he's I'd so f- out sexy of him. oh my god time and place even with oh, the boils so on his face ew no that all I think about is herpes. Whenever I see all of like the bubbles and boils growing, I'm just like, sex ad class ruined me for life, bro. Especially when we get to the hospital and they start showing all that shit. Oh. 
We cut to JT's barbecue where Tammy has pulled in her overheating car to get some water. As she's cooling it down with the water from a hose, Cherry limps by. JT has made it outside by this point and he offers Tammy a gallon of his spring water and goes to meet Cherry inside. We cut to Dr. Dakota Block and Dr. William Block waking up for work at the night shift at the local hospital. As Dakota prepares her husband's coffee, she calls the babysitter and says that she only has to stay until 10 and that a friend will be by to pick up Tony and to be sure he takes the suitcase she's packed for him underneath his bed. As she finishes her phone call, she's texting her side piece to quote, hurry, I think he knows. So, let's talk about the Fergie Ferg in the room now. Um, London Bridge coming down. Fergie. Fair, it's Fergie. It's, it's the Duchess. It's the Duchess. Has, has the Duchess come out yet? Hold on. I want to know. Yeah, it did. I want to say it dropped. It came out in 2007, if not 2000. It was 2007. Because, bitch, I was all over that album. Survey says 2006, September 2006. It was just about to, it just dropped the year before. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So she was hot shit at this time. She so was, it was huge nice. hot shit. I didn't know that she started out as an actor that then went into music. And then this is her like coming back to acting because she's not bad. It's just, it. it's a grindhouse movie. So if you're going to dip your toe back into acting, this is the way this to do it. This was not it to do it. I think it was. You know what? No, no, it isn't. Because you know what the, the line it is for me is when. Now, how did you know that? <laughs> <laughs> It's JT. It is the line. That is exactly the line. It's weird. It feels weird in this movie. I don't know That feels weird for you in this movie? Zombies eating monsters and machine gun leg having women? That feels weird too? It's the chunky highlights and the... Don't even (laughs) start with the highlights, bitch, because you praise Gail Weathers for her disgusting chunky highlights that you just love. Fine. Fine, fine. Practice what you preach, bitch. I don't know what it is. I really don't know what it is. But let's move on to Dakota. Dakota is my favorite character. She is my favorite character. She has a sidekick. Listen, I mean, it's like a a knockoff sidekick. I wanted one. You had one. I didn't have a sidekick. I wanted a sidekick. I remember you had the little chocolate because you used to brag that you could text without looking. You used to hide it underneath your desk. T9 was my shit. Okay. (laughs) I used to be able to type out paragraphs in T9. Someone's age is showing. I don't give a f. I don't give a because that was the height of like weird phones. Like now yeah. it's like the iPhone or like whatever, like Samsung's dishing out. But this was the <laughs> razor, the Shit. sidekick, the chocolata. Like mm-hmm. it, it was mm-hmm. weird. It was a weird time period. We had so many, so many to choose from the choices. <laughs> what yes. the girl to do? <laughs> I agree. This is, we get a, a great, great, great introduction to the doc blocks, the two of them. They are a couple, they're both doctors. Dakota's an anesthesiologist. Uh, William, I guess, just works in the ER. Uh, but this is great. I this, We get a sense of their dynamic with each other and how cold they are and mean to each other. I love it. Oh my God. She, you're always here for the drama. I also love Tony. I'm going to eat your brains and gain your knowledge. <laughs> He's so adorable. He's adorable, annoying, but adorable. I think it's really good. I also agree with the dynamics of both of this couple. Like immediately, you immediately know what this dynamic is. And for me, Marley is the one that brings the acting chops for me because it's 
both over the top, still somehow grounded, but fits perfectly in this movie. And I feel the same with uh, Josh, Josh Brolin. Josh Brolin. He's oh an excellent God. villain. First of all, he's fucking sexy and hot. shit. He's so hot. So it's the voice. Yes! It's the voice in the jaw. Yes! This is a deep voice for me. And the facial <laughs> hair and the glasses and the hair and the body you and have the a face. Am I gay? But I agree. I, these are both such well-written, thought-out characters in my mind. I live for both of them. Because normally anytime that like, what's the word I'm looking for? Adultery is played in movies you don't normally side with the one that's causing the adulting. But <laughs> in this case, you instantly know you need to get out of this. You need huh? to get out of this situation. And their relationship is my favorite parts of this movie because these actors go at it and I love it. Mm-hmm. 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 So excited to get to it. We cut back to JT's where Cherry is nursing her wounds in the bathroom. She pulls a bloody shard of glass out of the cut on her thigh. Outside, Ray pulls up his tow truck, comes inside, and orders his usual cup of coffee and a pack of cigarettes. After some small talk, JT says that Ray is the second person to come in tonight. When he asks who was the first, he points at Cherry, sitting by the window. Ray comes over and dead names Cherry, calling her Palomita. After a small exchange, Cherry asks for a ride and El Ray obliges. We are now at the hospital where the doctor blocks work. They part ways as they enter the hospital and William is approached by a local with a bite on his arm. Back in a private room, Doc Block and his colleagues struggle to diagnose this wound that doesn't bleed. When the doc goes to check the patient's tongue, it's gross and engorged. He calls his wife in and to bring the needles. He explains to his patient that the wound is not only spreading, but has progressed too rapidly that they need to amputate his arm. That's when Dakota steps in with her friends. Hi, these are my friends. My yellow friend is just to take the sting. My blue friend, you'll barely feel. That means my yellow friend is already in effect. See how fast my friends work? After my red friend, you'll never see me again. You'll never see me again. You'll never see me again. <laughs> this is such a good scene, but I, I, we have to dial back. So, <clears throat> oh, we're at JT's, and this is where El Ray and Cherry reunite, because apparently they know each other. And he comes over and dead names her, calling her Palomita. Um, I like this exchange. <laughs> Rose is hilarious. She delivers like dry, deadpan humor like Her no one else can for me. Her humor is so on point. It's so good. So on point. There's a difference between Frank and being dick. Yes. <laughs> and I love that she's a, like that she's gonna go be a stand-up comedian. He's like, but you're not funny. That's what I keep trying to tell people, but they all say I'm hilarious. <laughs> It's so interesting. I really like it. When I first watched this movie, I wasn't able to pick up on all of this. I was, I said in middle school, so I don't know nuances mm -hmm. or anything, but I like how their relationship is built. I like this dynamic. I think it's a lot of fun. It creates a lot of like memorable lines. I mm -hmm. have to ask, how do you feel about El Rey? Oh, I think he's sexy. I think he's so get it. He can, he can fucking get, get it. it. Hell uh, yeah. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, brother. Oh, God. And we'll get to it later. But when you take they have their sex scene, hell yeah. It's funny because. <laughs> you, you said hell yeah like seven times. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you know I'm into hell it. Yeah. <laughs> she can't even think straight. <laughs> I, I'm just thinking about the sex scene. Oh, my God. And all the fake tattoos they put on him because they were obviously fake. But I love I love El Rey's character. And hello, he's got my name. Oh. It's really fun. I really dig the dynamic. He's, it's just, 
it, he is attractive. He's very attractive. I don't want to take he that is. away from him. But it's his attitude. It's his attitude, and he's totally ah. like somebody I would see here in the valley. <laughs> oh, wait, no. Oh, honey. Matter of fact, I'll be right back. I'm going to look for one. God, her grinder just went off. This next scene, this hospital scene, these special effects, this monologue, Miss Dakota is just, I would love to see a superhero version of her. Like her just have like needles for like her weapons and shit. Yeah. Excellent. Let's talk about the penis thing though. Can we talk about the penis thing? When they're given the diagnosis to this poor oh. balding guy and he has a bite on his arm and they're trying to figure it out and they show him images of people with similar types of uh, effects and he mm -hmm. asks them, how'd they take it? And they put, <laughs> They chopped it off. They chopped his dick off. They chopped his dick off. They, <laughs> they showed some off. pretty gruesome photos in there. I don't know if they were real or not. They probably were. I'm sorry to that man. <laughs> but it's, yeah, it really was like sex ed all over again. Yeah. I hated seeing that shit. This is the warnings of sexually transmitted diseases. And the f***ed up thing is, is that people still go out there and raw dog it and get this shit. Oh my God. <laughs> This is, let's talk about Dakota's friends. <laughs> let's talk about Dakota's friends. She's got a yellow friend, a blue friend, and a redheaded friend. And then you'll never see her again. That was iconic, bitch. It was so, it's definite, like, I don't, I don't want to call it like campy and cheesy because it kind of borders that line, but the way she delivered it, mm -hmm. it wasn't campy and cheesy. It was so good. It was so good. It was also the editing and the directing in that scene because Marley Shelton's eyes can get so intense. Yes! So fast. It's the yes, way that can. she starts off friendly and as it progresses and every little prick that we get, it just becomes demented. It's sick. It's so sick. Yeah, it's the music. No, no. And then, oh, and then the way she just like, she's not even like subtle with it. She just like steps the needle on the arm and then pushes. And then she just goes right in with the second one. And then right in with the, he's out within like 10 seconds. That's my favorite. It just creates an, an idea and just a question of how many people have you put to sleep? How many people are dead? How many times have you done this? Like that's amazing. Also, I, I don't know if you got this in the BTS, but Robert Rodriguez got that line from a friend who had went under for surgery or something. And then anesthesiologist had this exact saying and Robert Rodriguez like thought it was so like, dem not demented, but he thought it was just so crazy. That this man loved his, he loved his job so much that he had this whole speech planned out in his head to explain this to a patient that he twisted it and just turned it into something dark, which is just wicked. It's wonderful. Everything in this movie just has this air of the macabre and like danger. There's like danger at any way yeah, you go I would in this world. Not go to this hospital. If I walked in there and they were like telling me this kind of shit, I'm like, I want a second opinion. Is there another doctor? Is there a doctor in the house? We're back with Fergie and her busted car. <sighs> it's stalled out yet again on the side of the road. And this time she heads out on foot. She makes it only a few yards out before she's attacked and dragged off the road. As Fergie's corpse is carried off by her fans, Ray and Cherry drive by. They discuss roadkill and the people who eat it when Ray swerves off the road to avoid hitting something, sending the couple flying off course. 
When the truck finally settles, they sit inside the truck upside down. As the couple dives into yet another argument, a <laughs> specimen breaks through Cherry's window and drags her out. Ray is able to break free and he grabs his gun and runs into the shrubs to find three specimens chowing down on Cherry. He shoots at them and they scurry off. I want to talk about this. Okay, first of, hold on. Hi, Fergie. This is like our first, like, no, it actually isn't our first connection. I think they do it earlier when we first come into the hospital scene. But this connects the movie you're about to watch after this movie. They mention in loving memory of Jungle Julia. We miss <laughs> yeah. you, Jungle Julia. At first, when you're watching this movie, you're just like, okay. And it, it's, it's explained earlier. Mm -hmm. So that means Death Proof happened before Grindhouse in this, like, timeline of, like, yeah. a universe. I love it. I love it. How do you feel about her, her death, though? I feel like we don't really get the full sense of it until later, though. I like it. I like it, yeah. actually. I like it a lot. I Because I remember uh, it's gory. Because there's just, like, organs flying and bl buckets of blood going everywhere. I love, I love it. I love blood. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. They literally, like, later on in the movie, it's literally just dummies with gallons of blood that they crash into. It's so great. The setup of the long-winded talk about this roadkill. It is my favorite joke in the whole movie because he's talking about if you see roadkill, how do you deal with it? Once again, everybody does this in this movie. You you just hit it straight on. And it, what kills me is when they flip, which by the way, this flip is sick. This is a really excellent mm -hmm. in-camera shot of this truck flipping multiple times. It's Cherry looking dead upside down with her eyes wide open. <laughs> and the first thing to come out of her mouth was, I thought you said if you saw a deer, you shouldn't swerve. <laughs> and then his, his retaliation was, it wasn't a deer. So it's so good. It's so it's good. So but funny. Uh, like you said, her comedic timing and her delivery is just chef's kiss. She brings the comedic relief like nobody else. And she's a sexy bombshell. And she's a great final girl. We love to see it. We love to see it. We love to see it. And they take her damn leg. Once they take her leg, we return to the hospital where Ray is checking in on Cherry. We get a quick rundown of her injuries, including one severed limb. Before Doc can finish checking her in, the local sheriff and his goons drag Ray off for questioning. As Block makes his way to the operating room, his colleague asks if he wants to be there for the removal of a friend's arm. The doc says no and walks away. The sheriff walks Ray to a very busy hallway and begins questioning him about Cherry. And why did he have a gun when he's not supposed to? And where the hell is Cherry's other leg? Ray isn't paying attention because he's distracted by all of the patients passing through the hallway that look to be infected. He asks if they can continue the conversation somewhere private. And the sheriff slaps some cuffs on him and takes him downtown, or in this case, down the road. Back at JT's, he's got two creeps standing down at his gas pump. He tries to invite them in for some of his award-winning barbecue, but he gets no response. Then he accuses them of being spies sent from his arch nemesis, Dinkies. He tells them off and goes back inside. I love, I love, okay, so the hospital. We get to the hospital, they're checking in Cherry. I love the EMTs. The EMTs are fucking hilarious. They are. Cause they are, everyone is very much aware of what kind of movie they're in. They know that this is a Grindhouse movie. So they deliver these lines so well. And this EMT only has a few lines in this movie but he delivers them so well that they're memorable to me cause I wrote them in the, he lifts the sheet and he goes one severed. Limb. I love it. She's what you call a no-brainer. <laughs> what does that mean? Not no brain. <laughs> <laughs> 
but this is when we also start getting introduced of El Rey's backstory, which is never explained. And I don't ever want it explained. Do not explain to me <laughs> no. the legend of El Rey. Because I love that everyone talks, oh, he's El Rey. Did you, did you hear? Did you hear he's El Rey? Oh, God, he's El Rey. Dotson. Oh we got Dotson here. Jesus. But we have a joke that runs out through the whole movie and the punchline at the end of the movie is great. But he states when they're questioning him about Terry, those sickos attacked her. I shot at them. I never miss. They took the leg with them. Remember that never miss, baby. Let it, they's mm-hmm. and they, they thems. Because bitch, Robert Rodriguez loves this line and I love it too, so I'm for it. I did want to talk about very quickly though. How do you feel about the bone shack? JT's like establishment. I really don't even know how to explain it. Is it like a gas station slash small market slash barbecue joint? Slash bar? Also, <laughs> slash uh, dam because he lives near the dam he or the natural the spring dam. water. That he also saw <laughs> spring water from. It's, this is so, like, this is so, this is so like a South Texas thing of like, it's a one-stop shop of everything you need. Like this is a Dr. Spalding shot. Yeah, right I want to say, <laughs> uh, I want to say uh, he originally, like it was like a gas station that maybe he got from his dad or whatever, um, but he's really like barbecues his passion. He's a barbecue connoisseur. So he slowly started selling barbecue on the side and now became a full-fledged restaurant rather than get, like in the secondhand gas station, but also we sell bottled water. It's it's both like the neighbor to Dr. Spaulding's and then down the street is like the meat plant from Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Like they're all neighbors. And then down the street from that is a lady who sells squirrels from Rat Race. I fuck Kathy, Kathy Bates. Bates. She's the worst <laughs> one. She runs all of it. <laughs> She's the master right. <laughs> I, I, I really like JT's storyline because it's all so funny. Everybody in the, you've said it multiple times and I really can't stop echoing mm-hmm. it, but everybody is just having a ball. I love JT. I think his character is funny. His character never not, does not stop talking about barbecue sauce. He's that friend that gets that new job and he's like, oh my God, I'm just so tired from mm-hmm. my new job. It requires so much, but I love it. I love it. I love <laughs> it's, my It's new my job. life. It's, it's a lifestyle choice. Back at the hospital, Doc Block has three fresh corpses. One of them is Fergie Fergalicious. When the doc realizes who it is, he immediately demands someone to call his wife. We get a quick cut of Ray being questioned back at the station where he asks Texas Ranger Earl McGray about his dying wife. In her room at the hospital, Cherry has awakened from her surgery. She is visibly distraught after finding out she is now an amputee. We get another quick cut of JT calling his brother Sheriff about the delinquents who won't leave and won't buy. They have a small exchange where the Sheriff tries to get JT's barbecue recipe out of him, but JT won't budge. Just as they hang up, the delinquents enter, showing their ugly, deformed faces. So, this is where we realize that Doc... Dakota's side piece is a woman. (gasps) Yeah, we find out about Dakota was actually texting Fergie Ferg to come save her and everything is connected. I really like that plot line. I think it's really cool. I think in 2007, I would say that the audience would probably be shocked that they're Mm -hmm. lesbian lovers. Nowadays, Mm -hmm. I'm just like, this is what we deserve. How dare he kill her? Like, of course (laughs) you kill the gay character. How dare you? (laughs) Justice for Dakota. 
Doc's reaction because this whole time Doc has had a, thermo a glass thermometer in his mouth to make sure I'm calm. Yes. And of course, our wonderful EMT has constantly berated him and said, be careful, Doc, you might break it. And once he finds out it's Fergie, the glass breaks and it's great. It's great. And then he spits it out, which is gross. Spit on me though. It's <laughs> Please yes, spit in my mouth. <laughs> but we also get a close up of his mouth and when he breaks the thermometer in, in his mouth and he just goes, he, or the EMT asks him, what do you say now, Doc? Someone get my wife. I love this exchange between Doc Block and the EMT because he also, the, the EMT just has a lot to say and he's telling that it's not sanitary, oh, which it's ass. not. No. And he's like, it is if I'm the only one using it. And I love how annoyed Josh Brolin, excuse me, Doc Black is at his job because he's trying to examine all the bodies. And I'm sure this was an actual accident and they just kept it in. As he's examining all the bodies, his his coat gets stuck on one of the bodies and he's like, <laughs> he like slams it and he fixes it and he goes on examining the bodies. I love this character because he, he reminds me of any, I love this character because he just boiling over he's just waiting to like explode he seems like the type of guy that's just like one more thing on his back mm -hmm. he's gonna blow his top off this was it bitch this was, this the, was, it. The, this was the moment <laughs> well while still in the same hospital because shit there's so many storylines in this movie cherry finally figure finds out that she's an amputee and it's it's actually a really surprisingly shocking emotional moment. Yeah. I, it's all because of Rose. She does her crying again, but what does it for me is at one point she seems disgusted with herself and she yeah, like she almost she throws vomits up. from the news of it. Rose mm -hmm. sells it and she literally cries her makeup off, but don't worry because we get the makeup artist to fix it in the next scene. But she cries it off. Yeah, I saw that. It's, it's great. It's a nice little emotional beat that you weren't expecting from a movie like this. Not only does Rose sell it, they sell it with the music change. It's like a total- Which is so Lifetime original movie. <laughs> but it's a total, like, it's it's a, a, a shift in tones, which was not what I was expecting, but I appreciate it. Back at the hospital, Doc Block reveals the Duchess's body to Dakota. She's shocked and walks off with tears in her eyes. Block wipes the phone from the body and follows Dakota to the supply room to comfort her. He pulls her in for a hug and begins to question her sitting. I thought you stopped seeing each other. Dakota proves to be a horrible liar and Doc immediately calls her out. He tries to swipe her phone to compare the two and she quickly gets defensive. They have a standoff and he uses her needles against her, stabbing her several times in the hands. Quickly, the drugs take effect and Dakota loses any feeling or control of her hands and drops her phone into Block's hand. He compares the two and reveals her plans to take her son and leave him. Just as Block is about to finish her off, he's interrupted by her comedic relief, the EMT. The corpses they just brought in have vanished, leaving behind nothing but a bloody trail. Back at the station, another deputy has returned from a call, bloodied and upset, saying he needs someone to help get the perp out of his car because they bit his finger off. Another deputy and the sheriff go outside, and when they do, they discover the assailant has broken out of the cop car. They find him standing by Ray's truck, and when they try returning the ring to the de the fingerless deputy, the other cop is literally ripped apart at the limbs, and an all-out shootout breaks loose, sending literal gallons of blood out. After more reinforcements show up, they fight off the bulk of the ascending zombies and the creatures. Ray and the sheriff head back to the hospital to save Cherry. Oh yeah, bitch. Shit's hitting the fan. Okay. The best acted scene is Doc and Dakota in this interaction. Mm -hmm. Period, point blank, sending it off to the Oscars for submission. Yay! 
I've talked about it a lot on the show where my favorite scenes and favorite parts of movies are just when you let actors do their thing. There's no real special effects involved. It's just when there's drama unfolding and Marley Shelton fleeing for her life with her eyes and she starts crying. Also, another fantastic eyes. Robert Rodriguez, sorry. Robert Rodriguez hired two amazing criers because Dakota is not red-eyed like liner spewing this whole movie this mm-hmm. whole movie it is the most uncomfortable and for me the most horrifying scene of the- i really really enjoy it i agree it's very mm-hmm. uncomfortable to watch because it's very like grounded in reality and the way that josh brolin just towers over her and when he's breaking like taking the caps off of the needles with his mouth and blowing like spitting it in her face ooh. It's, it's just, it's, ooh, like you said, it's very tense. And like you said, there's no special effects. There's no great, huge, amazing dialogue or anything. It's two actors being in the moment, bouncing off of each other. And it's great to see, especially when, if you watch the behind the scenes, they're actually really like each other. Besties. And she was like, (laughs) she, they both even said that that was the hardest the thing to shoot, especially Josh Brolin said that that was the hardest thing to shoot for him because she's so sweet and he loves her so much. So the fact that they love each other so much and they were able to have that chemistry on camera is amazing. Those are two amazing actors. That is why if there wasn't that comfortability, if they didn't trust and like each other, this would not have been able to happen. Mm -hmm. Like this is trusting your fellow actor to do some really dark shit because when he starts step, I still win. When you start hearing the stab, stab, stab of the needle going to her skin and just seeing her like Marley, come on. You really do have hyper flexible wrists because just seeing them go from straight to gay is so good. (laughs) It's so good. You know, she, you know, cause she is, she is. Wow. (laughs) Wow. The only thing that pulls me out, but I also love, is the sound cue of when the phone drops out of her hand is a <laughs> Oh yeah. No, what kind of pulls me out, but I love is when he's about to finish her off and we just hear the Doc. And he goes, What? You might want to come see this. <laughs> and then he just throws her ass in a closet. She just came out, her wrist fully formed, and now he's gonna put her back in the closet. <laughs> That's so <laughs> No, no, man. Give it another year or two, baby. Another year or two. You still love me, baby. You still love me, baby. <laughs> let's work on this. Oh, that's good. And then it moves immediately. This movie just Robert Rodriguez does not let go of the pet does not let go of the gas the no. minute this movie starts. Mm-mm. The minute we go from zero to sixty to one twenty and whatever you can f-ing possibly handle after that. Pretty it's much. So great. Because we go to the deputy station. And this carnage, this bloody, gory, spewing deliciousness. It's so stylized. Mm -hmm. It really reminds me of the Lost Boys when we talked about the Lost Boys exploding and they're just like gushing glitter and buckets of goop. That's what this looks like. But like turned up like like four more notches because (laughs) buckets of blood. Buckets. 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 Limbs being thrown. Uh, organs being thrown. I'm pretty sure I saw a liver hit the screen. <laughs> liver spots. Liver spots. Tom Savini also cussing, cussing up a storm and just like, he took my fucking face. No, I love Tom Savini's <sighs> character and we'll get to it because Tom Savini's character is just an 
idiot and everyone calls him a dumbass and I love it. (laughs) He's so funny playing like the dunce. Like he's so (laughs) good. I love this setup. And of course we need to get back to Cherry's situation, but multiple times we get Ray trying to shoot a gun and the sheriff being like, no, Mm -hmm. we don't know why though. I don't need to know. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. But why did the car explode at the end of the scene? For fun. Did it just explode to explode? For fun? Okay. Mm -hmm. It was fun. Jackie, it's an exploitation film. Nothing needs to make sense. Back at the hospital, cases of viral infections have come pouring in. Too real. Doc Bach decides to make a run for it, but not before killing his wife. On his way to Merck, Dakota, he checks on his amputee friend who has completely succumbed to his infection. And his friend has killed the doctor with a bone saw. The patient tries to kill Block, but the cord doesn't reach far enough with the bone saw. He instead pops out one of his boils and rubs the pus all over Doc's face. The doctor just stands in horror. We get a quick cut of the Texas Ranger McGraw and his dying wife when he gets an emergency call from the sheriff over on his radio shouting for additional backup. McGraw responds, and when he returns to his wife, she suddenly becomes infected. Can we please talk about this disgusting, disgusting scene? This still makes me gag. I I don't gag. I haven't gagged in years. (laughs) (laughs) Puss is what does it for her. This is great. This is such a great scene. This is where we get like really start diving into like some creature horror and just Body like horror. leaning into the 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 horror aspect, quite honestly. And so I just love this scene. It's it's tense. It's something straight out of like a B horror slash a grindhouse movie with the music and the slow pushing of him with the saw. <laughs> with slow. The saw. And I love that he even saws off his glasses in half, and that's barely where it turns off it's such a great use of tension and then when he isn't able to kill him he's like well if i can't kill you i'm gonna infect you and just like rips off a boil off of his cheek and just rubs it all over the right side of doc block's face and he just stands there in horror and then he even does a like breathe breathing thing where you can see him pushing out pus it's great it's disgusting. I don't think we've ever talked about it because we haven't really dealt with body horror. I, I would say except the thing, but body horror is one of the number, like the categories where it's so hard for me to watch. I'm super sensitive to gore and shit like that. Mm-hmm. So, uh, uh, oh, I, I love to see it. We just recently got a, we recently just got a suggestion for a recommended rental to do The Fly with Jeff Goldblum from one of Ooh. our listeners. If you guys are down for a body horror month, let me know because I would be down. Just be prepared for me to have to have a, like a doggy bag next to me the whole time. I think the listeners would love to see that. Let's let's have Nick throw up on camera. I f- hate you. I hate you. This is great. All of it's good. I honestly, because I've seen this movie so many times, I love this scene, but I... I love when they get away from the hospital. I love when they get away from the hospital because the hospital is a great setting and it's fun. And I need to figure out all of these story beats. But I, for me, the fucking meat and potatoes, the best part for me is when we are outside of this hospital and fucking insanity ensues. I agree. But there's another great hospital scene when they come back for Cherry that I just love. At the hospital, Dakota has literally jumped out of a two-story window (laughs) and landed in some dumpsters. 
She makes her way to her car, but struggles to get inside since she doesn't have control of her hands yet. She manages to shove her hand completely inside the door handle and uses her foot to push down on the button. It proves successful, but only after she slips and breaks her wrist, leaving her lying on the floor, screaming like Sarah Paulson. (laughs) She jumps inside the car and uses her watch to put the car in gear and speeds off, passing by Ray and the deputies coming to save Cherry. The sheriff still refuses to give Ray a gun, so he heads out armed with two knives. He grabs some gloves on his way into the hospital and goes to town on every infected person he comes across. He eventually makes it to Cherry's room and tells her to get up. She cries and exclaims that she can't. She only has one fucking leg. (laughs) He tells her to stop crying over spilt milk and jams a wooden table leg into her stump and they head out. Okay, hold on. Let's start with that bang. Your first question is like, how is she gonna get out of this closet? Rodriguez, bitch. Wait, no time. He's like, just push her out the fucking window. Just push her out the fucking window. <laughs> no one was even there to push her, bitch. She had to jump out that window. I'm, hey. It's so, it's, it's really, it's hilarious. It's hilarious. Seeing her have to maneuver without her hands is a great <laughs> obstacle to put in front of your character. It is so fun. But the cracking of her wrist and seeing her sitting in agony, I just remember that whole theater, just the collective, oh, oh my God. It is grotesque. So your thing is is body dysmorphia. Uh, That's not the right term. That's not the right term. I do have body (laughs) (laughs) dysmorphia. To we uncover some of Nick's trauma. I meant body horror. Your thing is the body horror. My thing is like seeing limbs break and shit like that like in real time that gives me the heebie-jeebies wild i also love seeing her drive i love seeing her drive it (laughs) the women in this movie are the absolute best parts of this movie the men are great don't get me wrong but for me like i will watch i can watch any movie and they're in that movie any action Mm -hmm. movie and i see these characters these women take the cake for me okay absolutely the babes of planet terror so they they pull up to save Cherry and then they don't want to give Ray a gun yet again. So instead he pulls these like two cool looking knives out of his uh, glove compartment. They look like the knives Chloe Grace Moretz uses in Kick-Ass. Dope. Um, so he runs in and this is where we get this cool ass like scene in the hospital where El Ray comes in armed with two knives. And, and it's just like, him. was it real? He did not run up the wall. Because he used to be a dancer. A majority of the stuff is him he's able no to fucking move he's also a little shorty which is kind of hot yeah he's so, a little shorty <laughs> he's a badass he's a total badass mm-hmm. i'm surprised i don't see him in a lot more because i really fucking love him in this movie but he gets this really cool kick-ass scene where he's fighting down all these zombies and finally gets to cherry's room and at first he's scared because she has a sheet over her face so he's not sure if she's dead or what and then he goes to pull it off and she he sees she's sitting there crying and he tells her to get up and stop crying over spilt milk <laughs> I have no legs. <laughs> and then he drags her out of the room after he jams a wooden leg table on her stump. It, it Once again, Rose McGowan's comedic timing and physicality is just top notch, everybody. Like she's, this whole scene is hilarious. Especially, especially when he starts driving off and she he, she's trying to catch up. It's so good. It's so good. Also, when they're still trying to leave the hospital and he has to kill somebody. And so he, like, at first she's hanging on to him and he's got to leave her alone. And she's like, "Ah, ah," because she hasn't, you know, figured out her equilibrium yet. Top notch. Kudos, Rose. 
Back at the block residence, Dakota comes to save her son and take off. She relieves the babysitters by literally kicking them out of her house without pay. Mm-hmm. Dakota and her son jump in their car, and when they try to make a break for it, the babysitters retaliate with a shovel and a rake. They speed off in the car, sending the girls flying. Let's talk about the crazy babysitter twins. Where did for- you go, you bitch? I fucking <laughs> love the crazy babysitter twins. Those are literally my cousins. Those are <laughs> those <laughs> and are actual nieces cousins. of Robert Rodriguez. It's so funny. I know all of these girls. I went to school with all of these mm-hmm. girls. They were eating hot Cheetos, wearing Cookie Monster pants, and did not want to run during PE. And don't forget about the acrylics, honey. The acrylics. Thank you. They're so funny. They're so funny. They're walking personalities. We've got shit to do. We can't be watching your kid all night. <laughs> It's us at the store whenever someone picks up a movie that we didn't recommend. <laughs> it's like, we told you to go watch that movie and you decided not to watch it. Take your copy of Ghost Daddy. Get out. <laughs> oh, before we continue, this is kind of where we stay with Dakota in her design. Her, She starts off super prim and proper. And as it progresses, she just like goes off the rails. Her shirts get more unbuttoned. She can't use her wrists. Her hair gets a little more greasy. It gets like her eye makeup, but legitimate. Her eye makeup also starts running some more. And I, it's just so striking to me. I love the use of color. I mm-hmm. love her blonde hair. I think she looks so good. I think she looks so good. I agree. They like they definitely thought out costuming and looks and makeup and For how everybody. they would progress throughout the movie as well, which was important. Mm-hmm. Um, so I love all the little details. The rest of the group meets up at JT's. His sheriff brother says that something must be wrong because JT always comes out and greets. The group heads up armed and ready, and they find JT's body laying on the floor being picked at by his dogs. (gasps) But he's not really dead. He jumps up and scares everybody. The sheriff orders everyone to gather up supplies and they'll head out in 20. Back in her car, Dakota and her son have made it to her dad's house, who's revealed to be the same Ranger McRae from earlier with the dying wife who has gone infected. Dakota leaves her son in the car armed with a gun while she checks to see if the coast is clear. After giving him very strict instructions on who to shoot and who not to shoot, the kid shoots himself anyway. Dakota runs over to the car and when she does, Doc Block and several other infected people descend upon her and her dead son. She's able to make her way to the door and has to convince her dad to let her in. (sighs) Okay. Okay, my heart. I mentioned that this is the scariest scene for the, the scariest scenes for me, and the most like horrifying scenes for me are the argument and this scene. I know mm-hmm. how I want to hear how you feel in two seconds before that happens. I just want to say that the buildup to that to her son killing himself is just it's it it got me, and I remember the whole theater going silent. I just remember hearing that gunshot after she explicitly tells her tells him. Be careful with it. And if you see your dad, especially your dad, shoot him. I think it's really heart-wrenching because Dakota has already gone through it so much. She lost her lover. She got attacked by her husband and her son just died. Like this just makes it really real. And her like break or whatever you want to call it is really interesting because she stays there for a couple of beats and then she finds her way out. But I just can't believe that Robert did it to his own kid. I think that's maybe why he was only able to do it. I don't know if he could have done this to like any other kid. Does that Uh make sense? I guess. You're asking the wrong person about kids, Jackie. I know. I I know. About them kids. Which is why I thought this scene was hilarious because (laughs) leading up to it, 
to me, it was very dark humor in tone where she's time, you're, you're going to shoot whoever comes to the window, just like in your video games. It was very much commentary on like what was being debated on at the time about violence and video games and how they're affecting children. I, in my opinion, I thought it was very tongue in cheek, especially because she was like, when he was like, even if it's my dad. And she's like, especially if it's your dad. So in my mind, it all read as like humor. So when he shoots himself, honestly, in the theater, I was not the only one who cackled. So huh. <laughs> uh, there's that. Maybe it was, it was the 2000s, Bill. And I was in LA. People are way more cynical here or there. Oh my God. It, I think it's a twit. I think it's like the one few parts that are actually like, horror like the other things are horror but for me i see that shit in horror movies all the time people who are willing to kill a kid in this manner that's horror that's Mm -hmm. some really good shit right there i i'm not denying that if you think it's funny that's good that's whatever that's your interpretation of it but i think (laughs) we both agree that it's a plot point that works either in a comedic sense or in a horror sense and that's so fascinating that we got both 100% 100% I agree <laughs> we have two very different interpretations of that scene but it is what it is it is what it is but what kills me is when Dakota is finally approached by Doc and he comes after her and she just screams at him look what you did to our son and then I love when she finally gets to the door she has to convince her dad to let her in daddy I don't like that she says daddy a lot I thought I told her I didn't want to see you anymore so, daddy chill oh, Back at GT's, he's showing them his escape vehicles, a motorcycle and a souped-up Oldsmobile. It's not really an Oldsmobile, but I know what the f*** to call it. In JT's, I don't know nothing about no f***ing cars. In JT's bedroom, Cherry and Ray have a private talk about his f***ing jacket and what was left inside the pocket. <laughs> a ring, which leads to a hot, steamy sex scene that's cut short with some missing reels. When the movie resumes, the entire restaurant is up in flames. The sheriff was shot by a deputy. Zombies are descending on the place, and Dakota and the rest of the gang have met up with everyone else. The group gets ready to head out when the zombies break in and kill one of the deputies. The gang heads out on Ray's truck, JT's car, and motorcycle, and Dakota's dead son's pocket bike. The group... <laughs> he doesn't need it. The group makes... <laughs> What's he going to do with it? The group makes it only a few miles out when they're stopped on a bridge by a group of zombies. The group realizes they won't make it when from behind the zombies, they're all shot dead. Lieutenant Muldoon makes himself known and says, all survivors need to come with them. He takes them to a military base where they meet up with survivors, including Abby from earlier. He gives them a rundown on these so-called zombies and what makes them what they are and how they got out. Ray devises a plan to escape and go to Mexico. We put our backs against the water and stay safe there. I want to talk about the best use of this like vintage era that you're playing with. Mm -hmm. It is the best story device. I think we've talked about on season two. It is my favorite story device that we've talked about in season two. Let me rephrase that. This missing real scene. I have never seen grown men in a theater literally go, Oh my God, what? (laughs) <laughs> Same thing in my theater. I remember when, because it, because it, it leads in for a hot minute. You think you're gonna get this like raunchy sex scene, and then all of a sudden the the film starts to speed up and it gets warped and it burns out, and then it just says missing reel. Apologies for manage theater management or something like that. It's and so everybody good. audibly groaned because it's a pretty hot sex scene. Watching it back, I was like, I, we watched this in theaters. This is close to cin. This is Cinemax shit. Before we talk about the sex scene and the missing reel, I just want to talk about 
through their conversation beforehand. Because in this, in the behind the scenes, it has been stated that Quentin loved the way that Rose says, fuck. And she says it a ridiculous amount of times when they're talking about this jacket. Their relationship has led here. They clearly love each other. They're clearly constantly fighting. They're that hot couple. Everyone is a hot couple. They're a toxic couple. He tries to explain, you have my jacket. And she goes on to state, probably the best fucking lines in this fucking movie fucking fucks. I was cold. I took your fucking jacket. So if you're going to go on one of your psycho-obsessive controlling rants about a fucking jacket, then fucking take it. Because I'd rather fucking freeze and fucking hear about it one more time. Rose. Rose. Like, she's an award winner. Award winner. <laughs> I love it. And we get a little taste of that in Scream. She just has this wit to her and this delivery. And I agree, a big part. And the reason why she says so much, like you said, is because Quentin, Quentin and Robert loved the way Rose said So in both Death Proof and Planetary, she says a lot. A lot. And I love to hear Rose say she could sit there and read words out of the dictionary, bitch, and I'd still listen. The missing reels. This is the best storytelling because this is the point in every fucking movie where there's action, there's action, and we have a doll. We have to, we have to connect as characters. Robert said, "Cut it, cut it, <laughs> cut it, sis." And cut the immediate out. Does, does not care about how these characters got here, where this because it's you immediately come into. The restaurant's on fire. The deputy's <laughs> dying. Like everybody's like, "Oh my god, he's El Rey! Give him the guns!" It's the best. the best part for me is that <laughs> the sheriff is shot by the idiot deputy Tom, Tom plays played by Tom Savini because uh, other times in the movie he's up like when they got to the hospital he accidentally shot a patient who was asking for help instead of somebody who was infected and he get called a dumbass so when we come back to the restaurant we get the exterior shot of the restaurant up in flames they're pulling in the sheriff from outside he's shot in the neck and he just states i thought it was gonna be one of these new deputies to shoot me in the neck not you dumbass (laughs) (laughs) it's hilarious it is hilarious because the sheriff's all of a sudden now on board with el rey it it's so funny and moves your plot so fast and i think it's the best it's the best it's so smart mm-hmm. it's so it was smart. a smart way to be like because i also think he probably ran into it like a speed bump there where like how am i gonna get all these people together like how are we all like, how are they all gonna meet up how are these storylines gonna meet together and collaborate there'll be missing reels we'll cut the sex scene short when we come back shit has hit the fan and everybody's there it was genius i don't question it i don't need to know i know what i don't need to know it's so good we also get the like cherry stepping up because once everybody gets here we have to go get the cars we have to go do what we need to do and instead of the go-go club owner who's being fawned over over here by the crazy babysitter Babysitter twins twins. ray decides to cover her and we get an excellent chase action sequence of cherry going through this crazy shit and the whole time the whole time every time that rose was on the screen her face is meant for the screen. She just, she is so captivating. She's uh-huh. so gorgeous. I love all of it. And especially as you put it, her dead, dead her dead, Dakota's dead son's <laughs> pocket bike. 
is a great gag. I think it's funny. The chase scene is great. This is just, it's making fun of action movies in the best way possible by being Mm -hmm. an an overtly action movie. And those are my favorites. But this like chase down, not chase down scene, but the the scene of them making their getaway and hitting zombies along the way is awesome because it's lit. You can tell it's just like, dummy standing there with like two big milk gallons full of blood and guts in there and cars just crashing into them it's awesome i love it and i love love the part where the dog jumps out of the truck oh my god and they (laughs) run over the dog and the blood and guts gets all over the twins and they're screaming in horror and jt's just like god damn it stupid dog normally I'm very hurt and shocked and appalled when animals die in movies. This, however, I thought was fucking hilarious. I'm totally on board for it. Not to mention the crazy babysitter twins when they get in the car. I need a gun. Here you go. Fucking cool. <laughs> That's you. If the zombie apocalypse ever happened and somebody handed you a gun, oh, fuck yeah, this is fucking cool. I'm gonna look like a straight guy. Ew. <laughs> I hate you. I hate you. We also get another beautiful super lesbian scene of Cherry displaying useless talent number 32 by being able to ride a motorcycle. And Dakota comes over and she introduces herself. I'm Cherry. You sure are. Uh, (laughs) Yes, Uh, we uh, love to see it. (laughs) Uh, I also love the B of like right when um, Dakota gets out of the car to give Ray the pocket bike, the girls go, Dakota, we're sorry about Tony. And then Dakota just walks away. <laughs> we need more emotional beats because surprisingly enough, this movie still has like heart. This like yeah. action packed, crazy bonkers, insane movie still manages to make you feel a couple of things. And have it. a sto- and have a love storyline going through it, it. It's so fun because Cherry and El Rey, as toxic as they are, clearly, clearly still love each other. We didn't mention it and you brought it up and I just want to know. <sighs> El Rey's so hot. The minute he mm-hmm. takes off that shirt mm-hmm. and he's got this, it's the scars for me. I'm, the tattoos are great, but it's the scar. I'm just like, ah, oh, who'd you beat up? Oh, I love Tell your scars. About. Tell me about your emotional scars. <laughs> I have scars too. <laughs> I agree though. He's hot. Like when Freddie Rodriguez got the role for this movie, he immediately like started bulking up and going to the gym, which is very evident in this movie. Uh, I want to run my finger down his cum gutters. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> you started it. it. I did start that one. But the thing, I think what like just like f***ing sells it for me is that he's not like Marvel superhero ripped, ripped no body mm. fat. He looks just like a, I love me a guy who l- looks like he works out, but still has like something. a little bit of something grab onto him. A little bit of cushion for the pushing. Mm. Make my real go missing. It's great. It's great. It's hot. We also moved to the quarantine section, which also when they mentioned quarantine, like trigger warning. (laughs) It was a lot, but we learned about Project Terror, which is essentially just the government developing biochemical weapons and then the scientists using it and selling it to the top bidder. And now that we find out that this this gas, if once exposed and you do survive, essentially the only way to keep surviving is by keep exposing yourself to said gas. That mm-hmm. is why the military's here. That's why Bruce Willis is here. That's why everybody's gross. And all the dead people are 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 here. Happy? You're caught up. Do you need it? <laughs> no. That's what I- happened, Nun. Glee! 
two armed men take Dakota and Cherry to another part of the base. Back in the cell, JT and Ray manage to kill the guards and make their way out. They head down to the basement where the military are making plans to blow up the base. They manage to stop Lieutenant Muldoon after he shows them his final form. Back in the holding cell with Dakota and Cherry, one of the men is forcing Cherry to dance when she breaks her wooden leg over his head and then stabs him in the eye. He gets up to force himself on her, but when he takes off his pants, his junk is all melting because he needs more gas. Dakota shoots the other guard in the leg with one of her friends and then manages to take down the other with another syringe to the face. That's when Ray breaks in and with a gift for Cherry, a new leg is made from a machine gun. She uses her new leg to kill off the remaining officers and her attackers. Okay. Mm -mm. Let's talk about this. This scene. So, we are introduced to rapist number one and rapist number two, Quentin Tarantino, and this, like, WWE reject guy, because he's, <laughs> fuck, he's, like, jacked. He's yeah. jacked, bro. But in this scene, Quentin is too good at playing mm -hmm. this creepy rapist. Because mm -hmm. mm -hmm. this this scene is so, like I said earlier, the horror scenes for me are the scenes that are too real <laughs> and get too intense due to the acting. Because yeah. the whole elevator scene for me, especially when that red glare comes over, I don't breathe. Like I'm it's very tense and uncomfortable. It's very real. Like you said, it's very real, which is why we find it so horrifying. Yeah, it's effective. It's very effective. But when he gets his comeuppets, what's worse, getting the peg leg to the eye or your junk melting off? Or getting blown into the door with a machine gun leg. I'd rather get blown into the door with a machine gun leg. <laughs> You got what you deserved. It, he got exactly what he got deserved. But I will mention the line that I want out of this movie so bad. I've mentioned it before, and it's my least favorite sexual phrase ever, is when he says- <laughs> He is dick wet. I'm gonna go get my dick wet. And then later on, when Lieutenant Muldoon is like, go get him, uh, sir, Lewis is too busy trying to get his dick wet. Like, <laughs> what the f it's said like three times within like a two minute span. <laughs> Your favorite phrase is getting dicks wet. It's foul. It's foul. It's foul. Bruce Willis's final Pokemon form. He's leveled up. <laughs> this design is disgusting. It's horrifying. These creature designs are really nasty. Like they just went for the most grotesque, nastiest thing that they could gross up the audience with. And I'm mad at it. I'm not mad at it at all, especially when the film starts distorting and warping when Bruce Willis is reaching his form. It's really, really sick. And of course, Abby also gets more balls because he, he throws balls. a he loves ball. What is straight guys with balls? What do you call them, Max? Yabos? It's, it's a lot. How do you feel? Finally, finally, finally. Cherry's leg. Cherry's leg. Yeah, she finally... I won't say come to her final form, but she finally gets the machine gun leg. And it's amazing because that's how she gets back at rapist number one. That's how she kills all the guards. She essentially becomes a like front runner of the group. She becomes the ultimate weapon. She is the ultimate we weapon. She I is think the it's, moment. 
she is the moment. I think artistically speaking, it's so striking. It is mm -hmm. so visually appealing. It's so rock and roll. I'm going to keep mentioning that because this movie just feels like I went to a rock show and this is what like they're projecting on the screen for me while like, this <laughs> rad music is playing. It's kick-ass. It is kick-ass. I love it. They return to the group and devise a plan to steal the helicopter from the base and make their way to Mexico. JT and the sheriff stay behind, seeing as they're both dying, and agree to set off the bomb after the group leaves. The group heads outside where the biochemist engineer is immediately killed. Back in the basement, the sheriff succumbs to his wounds and JT sets the bomb off. That's Cherry's cue to save the day. She struts out onto that tarmac and uses her gun leg to launch herself over the walls, shooting the zombies from the air. When she lands, she spins a 360, shooting everyone around her and even dodges a missile using her go-go dancing skills. After her dance routine is over, she's nearly killed by a rogue zombie when Ray saves her and he's shot in the process. The rest of the group is settling up in the chopper and eventually taking off, leaving Cherry and Ray on the ground. They have an intimate moment where they express their love for each other, and Ray tells Cherry that he's impregnated her. As Ray takes his last breath, a rope is lowered from the chopper, and they carry Cherry away. Before you finish, I want to go back really quick, and I'll edit it back in. We didn't mention Dakota's like ultimate form. Dakota also levels up. Dakota, you, how do you describe? It's a literal shotgun. It's a literal shot gun. She uses shots in a gun and then shoots them. And she does a thing and I love it. Are you talking about her, her needle thing? Yes, the needle, oh. literal, it's a shot. She shoots, she sh But what? you said shotgun. I was like, when does she have a gun? Because there's needles, it's a shot and it's on a gun and she shoots them. So it's a shotgun. Okay, sure, if that makes sense in your head. <laughs> But yeah, I, she does. She finally regains uh, the ability, uh, use of her phalanges, and she's able to shoot her friends at said guards. It's rad. It's so sick. This is where the useless talents start coming into effect. This is Dakota's useless talent. She's able to do this, and she. I love that Dakota and Cherry have a very nice, intimate heart-to-heart -heart because these were my two leading ladies, and they really haven't had any interactions except for this moment. And mm -hmm. all it is is just one girl boss saying to another girl boss, hey, gatekeep, make sure that you keep gaslighting everybody and girl boss it out, sis. <laughs> Shut up. It's great. It's great. It is great, though. It's a great scene. And she tells her that if you ever, ever at the end of your rope, just reach up. If you feel like it's you're, at, you're at the bottom of your life, just reach up. And of course, we play with it later. And this ending, this ending, how do you feel about the finale piece? This is great. Are you kidding me? Cherry running out onto the tarmac and ugh, that shot, the shot with the machine gun leg. Girl, she put uses the, face in your gun. the machine gun leg to launch herself over the walls, shoots the zombies. When she lands, she does this cool spin, shoots everybody. It's amazing. It's amazingly choreographed. It's totally like kind of campy like this is totally not believable but i still love it and i i just I, it's a great finale in my in my opinion great finale and i also i also love that as soon as they walk out there the biochemist is shot in the head <laughs> and rose mcgowan just goes are there any more biochemist engineers here <laughs> i'm gonna take that as a now 
fantastic. This is the Avengers endgame of this movie. This is Cherry Darling becoming her superhero. And it's great because it's all based on like stripper moves. This is her strutting around. Mm -hmm. This is her doing her stuff. At one point, there's a rocket launcher that is shot at her and she does her back bend. And it's how she's, what the, the camp, the, the camp mm -hmm. is so high. It is so high. It's fantastic. And it's immediately cut short when Ray's, Ray is shot. <laughs> yeah. Well, because she, you know, turns her back because she's too busy putting on her cool sunglasses because she just it came out of nowhere and doing her cool. superhero movie. yeah and then that's when the zombie comes out and ray goes to save her and he ends up being shot in the process because for some reason the zombies are still using guns but whatever it's 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 extreme so don't don't worry too much about it this is it's art it's cinema <laughs> it's it's she's everything she's she's the whole universe and her useless talents finally came in and we get the end punchline of this ridiculously long joke of them continu continuously keep saying it's two against the world and it's gonna be because i never miss and then he puts his hand over her stomach the whole theater <laughs> the whole theater groaned and laughed at the same time yeah this is same. fantastic stuff same it was very cheesy line delivery fucking loved i love straights it. are so wild straights are so <laughs> wild we also get a conclusion of dakota's husband doc finally somehow finds his way over and he's yeah. reached everybody's reached their ultimate final forms is this just like an allusion to pokemon i'll take it but <laughs> he is like full monster vicious and who comes in to save dakota but daddy because no more dead bodies for daddy tonight <laughs> yes another iconic line I love it. It's so Do cheesy. You? I love it. I think it's so cheesy and campy because we didn't mention it earlier, but that line is said earlier in the very beginning of the movie. When is Doc it? Yes. I when Doc Block is first heading out for the night before work, it's uh, Dr. William Block, the, the dad and the son, and they're talking and he's heading out for work and he says to him, can we both say, let's pray no dead bodies for daddy tonight and they both say it so that's why dakota said it again at the end it was i never picked part. up on that and you just blew my mind that <laughs> yeah it's gonna be my twitter handle <laughs> oh god please don't <laughs> we flash forward to mexico where the group has found refuge by the sea they live a comfortable life by the ocean with cherry's new baby and a major leg upgrade we end with cherry's voiceover two against the world and our movie ends. It had a very like romantic, almost like wrapped up in a pretty nice little bow ending. This is like Robert Rodriguez's version of Casablanca at the end of this goddamn <laughs> movie. But I love the gun upgrade, bitch. She what gets, is like, that? a Tommy gun, machine gun upgrade. I don't know no guns. I don't know nothing about guns either, but I think it's cool it's so rad with the baby on her back she's the <laughs> ultimate super mommy and dressed like mother Teresa, because <laughs> she is mother Teresa. it turns total mad max thunderdome and i love it mad max beyond thunderdome we are finally at the end of your birthday pick happy birthday bitch how Thanks. do you feel about this movie overall and what <sighs> are you going to give your scores for this week's movie I mean, Avi, I'm going to buy it because I love it. It's my birthday pick. I love this movie. I was there for the hype. 
I was there for the gala premiere. I was there with the audience. This, if y'all were not lucky enough to experience this in theaters with an audience, I'm sorry, because that was the ultimate way to experience it. But you can, I still highly recommend you watch not only Planet Terror, but the second half of the double feature, uh, Death Proof. It's a total like genre change almost. It's still a grindhouse movie, but it's not horror. It's more of like a thriller action movie. with a car. Christine vibes almost. Sure. Because it's got a car. Anyways, uh, I highly recommend still watching this, but like I said, buy it, buy it, buy it. Absolutely. Fucking buy it, dude. Like, <laughs> dude, what yes. do you want? This movie has action. It has babes. It has ridiculousness, one-liners, gore, amazing, amazing creature feature shit. And it's hilarious. Everybody's at the top of their game. My staff pick for the week is absolutely Mar- Marley Shelton. She kills it for me as Dakota. Who would you pick as like your staff pick for the week for this movie? Oh, my staff pick is 100% Rose McGowan. That is my girl. Cherry Darling is my spirit animal. I'm going to dress up as her one year for Halloween. I would <laughs> gag if I just, you. all I hear is, guess who I am? Just turn around tube top. Full blown tube top. Tube top, some little leather skirt and a machine gun peg leg. I freaking love it. I adored this movie. I hope you had a blast. Happy birthday again, you freaking go-go, not cry, can't cry, bitch. <laughs> but for next week's recommended rental, we finally get to dive back into the filmography of our idol and fave. It is time to wear our sunglasses at night and obey to the alien overlords in 1988's They Live. <laughs> You're getting back to our carpenter roots, y'all. It's been you touch a, them up. a hot minute. <laughs> we do get our roots to up. <laughs> it's been a hot minute since we've covered a carpenter flick. And what a flick to cover. This is a great one. So I highly recommend to watch beforehand if y'all have not seen. It's a very... Probably be on FUBO. <laughs> Probably will be on FUBO. So let's not talk <laughs> our shit just yet. <laughs> I'm stoked. It's going to be a great one. Because right after that, we're going to go into another themed month. It's going to be our anniversary after that episode. So gear up, everybody. It's going to be a wonderful second half to our second season. Yeah, yeah. If you all like what you hear, you can follow the Queens on Instagram at the Carpenter Queens. Our Twitter handle is at Carpenter Queens. My personal account is at STFU Ray. My personal account is Nicholas Alexander Photography. Thank you for listening to this week's episode, everybody. Happy New Year. Happy birthday, Jackie. Yay, thank you. Woo, birthday episode. Remember, everybody, go get your boosters. Stay safe. Stay queer. And and stay, you know, good. (laughs) (laughs) We'll catch you all on the next one. Bye, 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 bye.